my son. You have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, and my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, what befell me at Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceivers and deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Peace be with you, the reader. temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humble. But he who humbles himself will be Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last night, because it was the Saturday evening Vesper service, so liturgically starting today, 
we brought out and opened for the first time a liturgical book called the Triodion that takes us from today all the way through the four Sundays of pre-Lent, all the way through Great Lent, Holy Week, and right up to Pascha. And so it is the most significant season of the church year, and this Triodion contains within it some of the most beautiful and deep and significant hymns with theology that is uh, very, very important for us. So I wanted to make note of that. And keep in mind that the Triodion and this period of Great Lent was initially designed to prepare people for baptism, to prepare people to be received into the church and also to be received into the church at the Feast of Feasts, Holy and Great Pascha, which is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this entire triodion is a book of hymns and readings that helps us to repent, to see ourselves as we really are in Christ, and to, by God's grace, grow closer to Him, to turn away from the things that are obstacles between us and Him, and to turn back to Christ Himself. And so all of the themes that you're going to see, particularly on the Sundays that the church raises up for us, are unto that purpose of turning back to God, of deep and significant change in our life, of transformation. And so the very first Sunday of this journey is today. And so the church puts before us this parable of the publican and the Pharisee. And we know that a publican is a tax collector. And tax collectors within ancient Judaism were known sinners. They were sinners because they were in the public's eye and they were stealing and cheating and they were stealing and cheating from their own people while giving to Rome which was oppressing them and so nobody would question that this publican was in need of repentance the other person in the parable though was a religious leader he was a teacher of the people. He was a person who had studied and had knowledge of the Old Testament, of the interpretations and applications of the Old Testament in everyday life. And so he, on the outside, was looked upon the people with religious respect. And so Jesus, not accidentally, but purposely, has these two contrasting characters in the eyes of the people coming to the temple. And Jesus focuses on the Pharisee first. The Pharisee, it says, prays within himself. And keep in mind that he is addressing God, but he is telling God how good he is. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, 
adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. So you could say that he was addressing God, but he was justifying himself, and he was judging his neighbor. He was exalting himself. His prayers really were not to God, because he himself was playing God. Who is the one that justifies mankind? Who is the only one that has the right, the authority, and the perfect knowledge to judge without error? These are the prerogatives of God and God alone. And so even though he goes to pray, his prayer is a dead end. It doesn't reach up to God. We could say that he is not even aware in a real way of the presence of God. If we are aware of the presence of God in our lives, my dear brothers and sisters, we would undoubtedly be filled with fear and trembling. We would not be able to stand but we would involuntarily fall down prostrate before God and His presence. His presence is so beyond our ability to withstand that even in the presence of an angel, St. John the Divine, the theologian, the beloved apostle, fell prostrate. So we cannot justify ourselves, nor can we even judge our neighbor if we are aware that we are in the presence of God. Now, the publican is contrasted with the Pharisee. The people listening to this parable would have expected the exact opposite of what Jesus was saying. This publican knew that he was a sinner. And he went to the temple for one purpose and one purpose only. He went not to justify himself, but to beg God to have mercy on him. Because he was aware of being in the presence of God, not just because he was in the temple, he did not go forward. Jesus doesn't say that the Pharisee went forward, but he did. Because he said that the publican was far off. So we know that that contrast shows that the Pharisee had boldness to go to the front of the temple as if he was entitled to that place because he was exalting himself. But we know that the publican knew that that was not his place. And so he stayed far off, far away from the front. And he knelt down, prostrating himself before God. And he beat his breast because he was aware of how far away from God he was. Now we might ask the question, how was he aware? Because he was focused on one person and one person only, and that is God. He wasn't even really focused on himself. And this is why he was able to rightly see himself for who he is. This is how we chiefly define humility. 
Humility is seeing yourself in the reflection of God as you really are. And this is why he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The most powerful, the most ancient Christian prayer that exists. Today, we take God and we place it with the name above every name, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is a prayer begging God for salvation in the name that is above every name. And he saw himself as he really was. And God said through the end of the parable that he and he alone, not the Pharisee, left the temple justified. He came a sinner, but because he humbled himself, he left justified, forgiven, reconciled united with his creator. And you can bet that after he left the temple, even though this isn't a part of the story, that his life was not the same anymore. You cannot turn away and turn back to God and have your life stay in neutral. He was changed. You can bet that he, like Zacchaeus, left behind that vocation. Because he could no longer tolerate that. He knew it was an obstacle between him and God. And so he left justified because he left a changed human being. And this is how we understand repentance. Repentance requires change because it is a turning back to God. And you can't have communion with God and communion with darkness at the same time. So I want to close just with a few thoughts about humility. Because humility is the first virtue that the church raises up before us that's a necessary requirement for us to successfully journey through Great Lent and Holy Week and arrive at Pascha prepared to actually enter into the mystery of Christ's passion, death, burial, and resurrection. We cannot participate in His victory without proper preparation. We cannot participate in His joy without proper preparation. And the very first step is to humble ourselves, to focus ourselves not on ourselves, but on Christ. To focus ourselves not on our neighbor, but on Christ. Then and only then will we truly see ourselves as we are, but be safeguarded from despair, from haughtiness, from all of the negative Noxious, toxic emotions and feelings and passions that can throw us off. Humility is the foundation of all the other virtues. There can be no obedience, there can be no self-control, there can be no gentleness, no kindness, no love without humility. It is the portal to freedom. The portal to peace. The portal to joy. It is the mother of everything that is good. Because it grounds us in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It shows us who we truly are. And it allows us to return to Him. And to see everything in our life that needs changing. So my dear brothers and sisters, the one thing that you do not need to fear is to humble yourself 
Because if you do, you can trust with 100% certainty that God will exalt you. And that you will be protected from every harm. And you willingly throw yourself down on your knees, spiritually beat your breast, and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then and only then will you be justified. Then and only then do you have the quality that's needed for change. Then and only then will you experience the joy and the power and the beauty of Christ's third day resurrection. Amen.